Fear City. We're about halfway through this eight-week series, and we're excited about it. Really, Serve Your City is about turning the church inside out. And uh, we're the church, so we need to be turned inside out. You know, when you wash clothes, especially nice shirts, you're supposed to turn them inside out, right? And, well, some of you are like, well, go ahead and take out your notes. If you're not taking notes today, now's the time to do it. I can see that you guys go ahead and take out your notes and get ready. So you turn your shirt inside out and you wash it on cold, delicate wash. And um, then you take it out and you tumble dry lightly and then you hang it on the proper hanger and then you press it and it preserves the shirt, it preserves the color. And a lot of us are like that. And so what happens is over time, if we, if, if we don't turn our clothes inside out and we, wash, and we don't wash them on cold water, the color begins to fade a little bit. And, and until we turn it inside out and do it properly, we're, you know, we're going to go through shirts. And our life is like that sometimes. The color of our life begins to fade if we're not turned inside out to our city, away from the man and the woman in the mirror, into the hurting, into the lost, into the broken. And so the whole point is to turn the church inside out so that we can brighten our color. Come on, somebody. And I know a lot of you weren't really excited about taking notes for the clothes washing dissertation because nobody took out their notepad. So... What we're going to do is pray, and hopefully God will anoint my words to cause you to quicken inside of yourselves to take notes to potentially do something God tells you to do. So um, it's kind of a joke, but not. So let's pray. Father, we're grateful for another good day here, God. We're praying that you would uh, breathe upon the word that we hear today, God. Customize it, detail it for us as individuals. God, that we might receive it into our hearts and do something with it that makes an eternal impact. In Jesus' name, amen. So, you know, if you haven't been watching uh, uh, Serve Your City, if you've missed a couple weeks, go, go online, download the app, catch up to where we are. But this week, we want to talk about the culture of serving. Culture is an amazing thing. So if the culture's right, the seed will grow. If the culture's right, the plant will become fruitful. And a lot of times when you talk about culture inside of a group of people, inside of an organization, a community, in context this church, when you talk about culture, you can't really sometimes put your finger on it, right? I mean, it's the hidden, it's the unseen ingredient It's the unseen supplement that makes things grow, that makes things vital, that makes things healthy. And so talking about a culture of serving or building upon a good culture or foundation, there's a guy in the Bible by the name Paul. This guy was known as an apostle, a church planter, a a mover and a shaker, if you would, in his realm. And he wrote a lot of letters to the church. And in his letters to the church, he was able to establish culture. He was able to correct culture, and he was able to encourage culture. And so we're looking at a letter written to a church in Corinth, uh, and, and it's out of the book of 1 Corinthians. And this church was a, was a thriving church. I mean, it was an exciting church, but they had a lot of problems. But they were very passionate. And, 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 and the good thing about this church is that they were willing to do something for God. I mean, they might have been falling down a lot, but at least they were willing to do something for God. And Paul saw that. And by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he wrote a letter to the church in Corinth. We're going to pick up in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would spiritual people. Now he's writing to the church. Church is the, the called out ones. By the way, when you see the word church, 
The Greek word is ecclesia, which means called out. I was called out of darkness into the light. I was once lost, but now I'm found. I was once thinking this way, but now I'm thinking this way. I've been bought with a price, and the price was the blood of Jesus. I'm not my own anymore. I'm a son. I'm a daughter of God. So he's writing to you, sons and daughters of God. He's like, look, I, I, gotta, I, gotta, I can't talk to you as spiritual people. I had to talk to you as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in the Christian life. What a way to address a message, right? Hey, by the way, I'm about to talk to you, but you're not spiritual at all, so I'm gonna to talk to you like you're of the world, and I'm sure they're like, uh-oh, this is not good. Verse two, I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger, and you're still not ready. Heard a funny saying, I love to repeat it over and over again, year after year, because it never gets old to me is that if you have to part the mustache and insert the bottle, we have a problem. Now, some of you are going to get that here in just a minute. <laughs> and that's basically what Paul was saying. He's like, guys, you should be mature already, but you know what? I've got to part the mustache and insert the bottle, and you're still not ready. Why aren't you ready? Verse 3, for you are still controlled by your sinful Nature. See, when we belong to Christ, we're actually freed from the yoke of slavery. Being a slave to sin is pitiful lifestyle. And the church could say, yeah, I agree. Okay, let's pray again before we get started. When we're controlled by our sinful nature, we, we, we're, we're like a dog on a chain that's being led to the slaughter. There's nothing good for us, but when we're bought with Christ, we're freed from that. He, he freed us from that so that we can now be a slave. Paul talks about being a slave of righteousness, or let me use a different word, a, a, a um, servant of righteousness, a servant of the Lord, a soldier of the Lord, right? A son and a daughter of the king. He said, I've, I've, I've taken you away from that, but he's like, look guys, uh, you're still being controlled by your sinful nature, so I'm going to have to give you milk. You're not ready. Why aren't you ready? Because you're jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Those are two simple ingredients. You know that you're still a babe in your marriage when you're quarreling over those dirty socks in the bathroom, and that was for somebody today. Some of you couldn't make it to church because of the dirty socks and underwear. <laughs> that was the guy, by the way. Um, let's keep moving. <laughs> you are jealous of one another. You quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove that you're controlled by your sinful nature? See, it's an amazing thing. He doesn't have to go way down deep into our lives. He can just say, hey, look, guys, you're fighting with each other, which, by the way, he was talking in context of the church. So let's just pretend like we're in the Corinthian church right now, and we are reading a letter from the Apostle Paul, and he's saying, you're fighting amongst one another. You're fighting about politics. You're fighting about taxes. You're fighting about uh, uh, gray areas of theology. You're fighting about this. You're fighting about that. He said, we're the church. So guess what? We're not going to give you anything but milk right now because you're not ready. 
It's that simple. And so we're like, hold up a second. Okay, there's something bigger going on. The reason he's addressing the church, because there's something bigger going on called serve your city or go out into the world. Jesus said this. He said, I'm going to call a wedding feast, basically a party. We call it heaven. I'm going to call a big party and I'm inviting a bunch of people. And they sent invitations out and the disciples came back and said, some of them are not basically RSVPing. He said, I tell you what, my party's gonna be full. Go into the highways and go into the byways that my party can be full, says the Lord. He, Paul the apostle was saying, church, there's something bigger going on than what you're fighting about, what you're quarreling about, and what you're jealous about. It's just a symptom that you're not spiritual enough yet. The reason we're, we're doing this is because in order to serve our city properly through the vehicle of our life, through the vehicle of the local church, we're going to talk more about that, we have to have the right culture going on on the inside of us. I have to have the right culture on the inside of my heart. If the culture's right, if the soil is right, the seed will bear 30, 60, 100-fold fruit. And it's our responsibility to cooperate with God and to toil the soil in our heart. Cooperate with God and get some work done. Roll up your sleeves in your personal life because tomorrow the Lord wants to do great things. In other words, when you're hearing the, the power of the word of God, when the culture's right in the soil of your heart, it's gonna be deposited and it's gonna produce something otherwise that wasn't able to be produced, and it's gonna bear some 30, some 60, and some 100-fold fruit, fruit for the kingdom where you're storing your treasure in heaven, where rust and moth can't destroy, where the currency doesn't rot. Come on, somebody. And this is why we're doing it. We're coming to church to be equipped to be turned inside out to go out and make a difference. You're jealous with one another and quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove you're controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? Verse four, when one of you says, I am a follower of Paul, and another says, I'm a follower of Apollos, aren't you acting like people of the world? After all, I, lo I love this. Paul just is laying the foundation. After all, who is Apollos and who is Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. In other words, I'm just following my assignment. That's it. I'm just following my duty. I'm just following my calling. It's not about my name, it's about his name. It's about his mission, it's about his calling, and it's about serving my city for the kingdom of God, not for the kingdom of Casey. Am I preaching yet? Yes. All right, come on now. We, look, I, I need some sort of amen corner going over here. Not weird amens, by the way. We have a security team for that. Now, next topic. Um. <laughs> Basically, what Paul was trying to tell the church is your identity is not wrapped up in, and I'm a follower of Paul. Evidently, what was happening there, some are, I'm following Apollos' teaching, and I'm following Paul's teaching. 
You can say it like this in the context of our church, so grateful that we have a teaching team. I'm following Casey's teaching, or I'm following Micah's teaching. You ain't following none of us in the sense of the, the word in this context. You're following Jesus. We're just a servant to serve you well so that God can get the glory through your life so that you have treasure in heaven, so that your families change, so that you make an internal impact, so that you're delivered from sin, so that you're walking in healing, so that you can do something for God. That's it. That's why we exist. That's all it's about. You know? Your identity is in Christ, not in people. How about this? It's not about what we want or what you want. It's about what God desires in our life. We heard a pastor say this. He prays it, I think, at the end of his prayers. I believe Pastor Jordan has, has, has adopted this. Well, we love it. God, change what I want to do. How many of you need to pray that? I have to pray it every single morning before I interact with my wife. God, change what I want to do. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I like, she said amen, yeah. Before I got married, you know, I told my wife, because I was dumb for God, I said, baby, there's six billion people on the planet. How do I know if it's you? How do I know if it's the one, which is bad theology, but how do I know if it's the one? She said, well, why don't you give me a call when you figure it out? <laughs> a week later, I called her. And now she can tell you after 14 years of marriage, there ain't no other woman on this planet that's for you except me. Thank you, honey. Thank you. <laughs> her parents have done a tremendous job uh, and took them great faith to marry their daughter off to me. Amen. A chief, yeah, they're still, they're still worried, but they're watching me closely. Chief center, notorious center. All right, so it's not about that. So it's not about comparison, everybody. It's about compassion. And that's what happens in the church. We start comparing our lives one to another. We start living on an Instagram photo, which by the way, I had the best dessert on Saturday. Check my Instagram out. So if you compared your dessert to mine, you lost. What you failed to see is me and my wife lightly arguing about salt, salty or sweet before we chose sweet. And then we took a picture. <laughs> comparison will rot your life. Comparison, look, when you compare yourself to those who are superior, you always feel inferior. How about this, when you compare yourself to those who are inferior, you always feel superior. It's like my dessert. It does, it happens to us, it's the motive of the heart, but, but when you stop comparing yourself to others, you feel empowered. And that, look, when, when I compare my life to Jesus, when I'm listening to the word of God, which by the way is such a great tool, I don't have my phone on me, but uh, uh, look, I have a reading czar at the house. That's right. I'm like a king. I get my cup of coffee in about two minutes, put it out on the table while it's smoking, let my dog in from his restroom break, sit down, pull the recliner up, and say, read to me Matthew chapter one, please. Boop. Good morning, Pastor Casey. Matthew chapter one. Verse one, and he begins to read in such a wonderful voice, much better than mine, and I just sit there. And what I find is that when I'm comparing my life to Christ, then I don't feel superior and I don't feel inferior, I feel empowered. I feel empowered. But when you do that with man, you're not empowered. And so what you do is you begin to serve out of comparison and there's no purity in that, and so you make no impact. 
You have a little fig tree going, but the fruit's rotten. Just like the, 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 if I'm pastoring, if I'm preaching for comparison's sake, I have no power. It's funny about our identity is found in Christ. I was, re, I was listening to the gentleman reading to me this morning. And uh, he's talking about the devil tempting Jesus three times. And he said, Jesus, if you are the son of God, you're going to be able to throw yourself off and angels are going to deliver you. If you are the son of God, you're, what was he trying to do? He was trying to rob Jesus of his identity. He was trying to rob Jesus of his identity and, 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 and bring in this comparison game. Because if he could take his identity, he would take his power. And Jesus, look, he didn't fall for it. See, it's not about fighting with the, one another in the church. Come on, somebody. It's not about fighting. It's not about opinions. It's about collaborating. What are we collaborating on? There's one common denominator, and it's called the Great Commission. Our mission is to help people know God. The only thing we should be doing, come on now, I'm getting excited. The only thing we should be doing as people is collaborating together on how we're gonna fulfill the greatest commission man has ever had in these communities on the greater Gulf Coast. But no, we're not. We're not doing that. We're not. Think about it. We're not collaborating we're, we're propping up our ideas. We're propping up, we're just like the world. So today we're making a change so that we can actually do something for God. Now, generally speaking, we're a great church, by the way. I wanna tell you that, we're a life-giving church. You guys are great people, but it's always good to go back to the basics. Look, you go study any coach, when they go preseason before the game day, guess what happens? They go back to the basics. So I want to remind us of the basics. I, I, I want to remind us of the foundation. I want to remind us of the culture so that we can continue to be fruitful, so that we can continue to multiply for God. That's the whole point here. It's not about jealousy. It's about Jesus. It's not about jealousy, it's about our heart's attitude. This is what Paul was saying about him and Apollos. We are only God's servants. Literally, that, that should all be our heart's attitude. Look, I'm only God's servant. That's all I am. Verse six, I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. I love what was happening here. He says, not really important who planted. It's really not important who watered. Why was he saying that? Because we can get caught up in what we're doing. Hey, check out how well I planted that seed over here. How eloquently I delivered that seed, that everlasting gospel. And then somebody else, well, yeah, you did a good job planting, but boy, you ought to see my watering apparatus. But look, when I, when I pour water on that seed, it comes out evenly and it saturates the soil just right. Paul's like, look, guys, you're missing the whole picture here. It doesn't matter who's, who's watering. It doesn't matter who's planting, planting. What's important here is that God makes the seed grow. In other words, it's not about recognition. It's about redemption. He, look, serving our city is about redemption, not recognition. You think about that. 
What we do in the context of our family is about redemption, not recognition. A lot of times we live our lives to have the yard of the month. Look, motivation and ambition is good if it's all about redemption. Those of you who are teachers, those of you who are parents, those of you who are business owners, those of you who are all of us, if we would do everything not out of self-recognition, God will take care of that and people will recognize you. That's okay. That's not what it's all about. But out of, we're living our life, a redemptive lifestyle. We're teaching our kids because of redemption. We're being a part of our community because of redemption. I'm leading my business with the hope that people will hear the gospel and be redeemed. That motivation, that secret ingredient, that hidden culture in your life, God can work with and do an amazing work. I'm here to tell you. That should be at the forefront, and that's what Paul was saying, guys. It, th- th- this, we're only God's servants. It's not about your ability. It's about God's ability. Our connection with God is what it's all about, our connection with God. Verse 8, the one who plants and the one who waters works together with the same purpose, and both will be rewarded for their own hard work, for we are both God's workers and you are God's field, you are God's building. What I, what I love about this is we work with the same purpose, but within that, each one will be rewarded. So I'm working with the same purpose. We are a giant team working on the same purpose, but there's a personal reward underneath that umbrella. There is. Even though we're doing the same thing, God customized, right? He, he says it's your labor, it's, it's your work. So when we see that, we got to say, well, it's not about what I do necessarily. It's about what we do as a community. And then what I do under the umbrella of the community, which is the local church, there will be a personal reward. But it takes high level cooperation. It takes high level cooperation. What if the church looked like you? What if, what if this church, do you think about that? What if this church looked like you? What would this church look like? What if this church looked like me? What what would the church look like? Verse 10, because of God's grace to me, I've laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it, but whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful, paying close attention for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we have already laid, which is Jesus Christ. We are building on the foundation of Christ alone. We should build our life on the foundation of Christ alone. There's no other foundation that can hold the weight of pain. There's no other foundation that can hold the weight of sin. There's no other foundation that can hold the weight of a wayward life, that can hold the weight of a life that's not whole. There's no foundation other than that of Christ Jesus. It's a solid foundation. Yo, let's give it. If we're going to clap, let's clap for the Lord. That's what we're building our life upon. There's no other foundation. There's one God and one mediator between God and man, and it's the man Christ Jesus. There's no other gospel. There's no greater power. And Paul's like, look, you guys have got to get this right. 
City of Corinth, you've got to get this right. Church in Corinth, you've got to get this right. Northwood Church, you've got to get this right because God wants to impact the greater populace and he will when the culture's right. Verse 12, anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. Each builder. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, the builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss and the builder will be saved. But like someone barely escaping through the walls of flame, this is called self-reflection through the power of the Holy Spirit. Self-reflection through the power of the Holy Spirit. Just because I have an office on this 10-acre parcel where there's a church on means nothing my, bu my building will be tested by fire. So I have to verify that what I'm building is made of jewels and precious stones. See, materials equals motives. Think about that. You know, he, he listed a couple different materials. Materials, the material we build with, the, the, the ambition that we build with, the, the passion that we build with, the burden that we build with, the energy that we build with, if has proper motives, which is Christ is the foundation, and I'm building Christ into the community, I'm building Christ into my family, I'm building Christ into the local church, I'm sharing my story, that's the motivation, then guess what? Each worker, which would be you, when the fire of judgment comes, guess what? That baby's gonna come out polished. That baby's gonna come out shining, but with wrong motives, it's gonna be burned up. And you say, well, pastor, what do I do if I've felt that I've been building in wrong, wrong motives? Well, the way I look at it is, as a builder, thinking about building, think about there's many aspects of building and there's many types of things that take place when building. That's what I love about the body of Christ. Is everybody a painter? Is everybody an electrician, etc.? Let's talk about painters right now. If you've been painting that room the wrong color for a period of time and you realize it's the wrong color, guess what you have to do? Change the color. And the amazing thing about God is sometimes he shows us through self-reflection, empowered by the Holy Spirit, that we're painting with the wrong color. And all we have to do is say, God, I recognize I've been painting, I've been building with the wrong color. The culture's not right, God. I agree with you. And then all of a sudden, when you dip that paintbrush back in that paint bucket and you pull it out, it's the right color. And then you just keep painting. A lot of times what happens to us, when we realize we were painting with the wrong color, we turn the bucket upside down and sit in the center of the room. That's how we're painting with the wrong color. God's saying, get off the bucket. I've got some new colors for you. Come on. I've got some new colors for you. We're building on a good foundation our materials equals our motives. It's more about why I am building and who I am building for than what I am building because we have to keep the main thing. The main thing and in Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, the main thing, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord versus people. That's not easy to do. It really isn't. I mean, you know, you know it's not. 
But the more you interact with God and the more spiritual you become by your interaction and your communion with God, the, 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 the further you're going to see behind the line, if you would, you're going you're gonna to see and look into a dimension and live in a dimension that's a little bit higher than where you are right now. You know, I, 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 I don't have a lot of birds around my house, but there were some little birds. I don't, I'm not, I don't know anything about birds, but there was a hawk, but there was these little birds and they were down on the ground and, and this hawk, he came in and he flew and then he took off and he was able to see a little bit above the surface than these other birds. Sometimes we're like a chicken with our head in the sand, but God wants to make you a hawk. And in order to make you a hawk, you've got, you've got to press a little bit in closer and interact with God and have him show you something otherwise you haven't seen and change the foundation you're building on. Because when Christ is the foundation, your serving will make an eternal impact. Your serving will make an eternal impact. And that's what we want. And if you're not serving, your serving will make an eternal impact. And so if our foundation is right, if our culture is right, I'm gonna give you two things to do. Number one, build the local church. Build the local church. Now the local church is where we are right now, which by the way, again, we're, we're, we're housed by an organization, lights, camera, action. Uh, there's organization, there's pastors in place, there's things like that. But the church itself is me and you which means the called out ones, those who have been called out of darkness into his light. The ecclesia is the Greek word. So we're the church. We should build the local church. But we have to ask ourselves a question. It's the ownership question. Is this community my local church? Is this community my local church? I'll help you out. At the ownership phase, people feel responsible for the fate of the vision and have become invested in it. When it's no longer they are responsible and it becomes we are responsible or I am responsible for populating the kingdom of heaven. Remember, look, I'm helping you out, guys. The common denominator we have is to help people know God based on the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, go into all the world and preach the gospel and the end will come. Common denominator, help people know God. Underlings, but underneath that, the umbrella of that, each worker will, will have their work tested. It's my responsibility to build the local church. And when we come to that place, that ownership question and say it's not about them, well, I think Pastor Jordan ought to build a church. Casey ought to build a church. Uh, Pastor Van ought to build the church. Right? No, no. We are building the church. I am building the church. And the fate of the local church, the fate of your local church rests on your shoulders. Take out your notes. The fate of the local church rests on your shoulders. Look, they did it to Jesus. His apostles, I mean, the early disciples, they were young, dumb for God. He said, guys, I've got to go. I'm going to be a, a sacrifice that takes away the sins of the world. I've got to go. And they're like, don't go, Jesus. You've got to keep doing what you're doing. He said, look, if I go, I'm sending the Holy Spirit and you're going to do greater works than I do. Basically, you're going to be empowered. Go into all the world, and lo, I'm with you always into the, into the ages. 
Do I feel responsible for the fate and the vision to help people know God? Here's how you become responsible. When you've given enough of your blood, sweat, and tears to develop the stake of its success, then you have an emotional and spiritual tie to the vision and care deeply about seeing it come to pass. Is this your local church? Are you an owner? And I'm here to help you guys. Look, when you become an owner, things change in your life. This is a life-giving message. When I became an owner in this local church in year 2000, every time the doors opened, everything I could do to build it, it saved my life. It saved my family's life. I was in a small group with my mom and dad who were separated for years, and I sat in that small group with older folks, no downer to older folks. It's a 23-year-old man, only young man in the group, essentially, and I saw a marriage restored. I saw God do great things in, in miraculous ways. And I said, this is my local church uh, where the gospels preach. And I'm going to stand for my local church. And nobody's going to say anything bad about my local church. Nobody's going to say anything bad about my pastors. Nobody's going to bring division in this local church. Because this is where I'm marrying my wife in this local church. This is where we're raising our kids. And this is where we're going to bring people to hear the life-giving message of Jesus Christ. I'm bought in. I have a stake in the organization. And it was way before I married the pastor's daughter. Come on, somebody. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you. Listen to me. I'm trying to help you have a work that's everlasting. I'm trying to help you have a, a work that's when tested by fire is refined and it's beautiful for the Lord. If this is not your community to do that, we pray earnestly that you would find a community to buy into because our communities, the greater Gulf Coast and beyond, will see and know God through the expression of our church. Our communities will. That means they will see and know God through our expression. So it's the ownership question, build the local church. Then there's the stewardship question, am I willing to use my resources and my gifts and my time to build the church? We invest in people in small group. Are you invested? Are you being invested too? We serve people through teams. We're building the local church where the lost can come in and be equipped and go out and follow the Great Commission. But we have to remember the lost. We have to remember the lost. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1, once you were dead because of your disobedience. Once Casey was dead that word dead in the Greek means a corpse, by the way. It actually means dead. <laughs> dead. In reality, we're dead without Christ. In reality. In reality, we're dead. We were dead because of, Casey was dead because of his disobedience and many sins. I used to live in the sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at works in the hearts of those who are disobedient, those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way. By the way, all of us, all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. We have to remember the dead. We're not talking about walking dead and Halloween, everybody. 
the spiritually dead, the lost, the hurting. And by the way, you can be um, uh, doing really well in your education and profession and be lost and undone and hurting. Some of the greatest people are hurting look like success on the outside because sin without Christ equals death. So from the foundation, the good culture, we're going to build our local church. I'm going to remember the loss. A tool that we use, take your My3 card. If you don't have a My3 card, raise your hand. We're going to take just a minute and we're coming to a conclusion of this message. Lift your hand if you don't have a My3 card, everybody. Come on, come on, man. This is the church. This is interactive, right? Come on, this is, we're going to have some host pass these out. Say, what's this all about? This is about God using us says, pray for them on the My Three card. It says, pray for them. I have found that in my heart that when I begin to pray for people who are spiritually dead, by the way, I want you to put, we got some people over here. Come on, let's help them out. We got some people over here. We got some people over here. My Three. Look, we want to do this. If you take the pen out in front of the seat pocket in front of you, this is, this is interaction here. Listen to me. I want you to write down one name at a minimum, three at maximum of people you're in proximity with. I'm not talking about somebody in three or four states over. That's good. We're going to pray for them, but that's not for this. This is for people you're in proximity with, people that are in this community that you have interaction with, somebody. I want you to write down. When you begin to pray for them, something takes place in your, in your life. Something takes place in your heart. Something takes place in the soil of your life. Listen to me. Something takes place in the soil of your heart, the culture of your life, and the compassion of Christ is multiplied in your heart for that individual, but it could never be multiplied in your heart unless you start praying for them. I can't just say, I'm going to have the compassion of Christ for this individual without praying for them. It's the ingredient that God uses. It's faith. And then we're going to connect with them. Go ahead and write those names down, everybody. Don't look at me. Write those names down. Seriously. This, is, this ain't about me. This is about you and your, look, God wants to use you. I'm for you. Listen to me. Write those names down. And then we're going to connect with them. That's a cup of coffee. That's sharing your story with them in your way, meaning this is what God's done in my life. And by the way, their response has nothing to do with you. That's our problem sometimes. We're worried about what people's responses are. I'm planting and watering. God gives an increase. Listen to me. And then we're inviting them. Inviting them what, to the Savior who we were impacted by. And then bringing them in a local church. Invite them to the church. God will use you incredibly. And I'm telling you, there's nothing greater than this, guys. Luke chapter 19, verse 10 says, The Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Would you take your mind three card? We're going to pray for them right now. Father, we pray for those three, God. We pray for that one. I want you to picture that person in your mind. God, we pray for that one. We pray for that too, God. They're lost and undone, God. They're, they're trying to make it happen in their own way, God. They're riveted with addiction, God. They're, they're in bondage, God, or their success has blinded them, God. Lord, we're praying that you open up the eyes of their understanding, God, that they might hear the glorious gospel and be changed, God. We're praying over their life, God. We're praying over their heart, God. We're praying that divine intervention would happen. God, we're praying that you'd begin to convict them of sin and judgment to come, God. We're praying, Lord, over the soil of their heart, God. We're praying that you begin to prepare their hearts. God, we're asking that you would use us to connect with them, God, that you'd use me to connect with them, God, and lift out my hand to them, God, and say, Jesus is the way. God, we're believing you for it right now. In Jesus' name.
while every head is bowed, every eye is closed, you might be that one today. You might be watching online. You, you might have came to church today and somebody invited you. You might have came to church today because you saw it online. God brought you here today. God is the one who brings the increase. Somebody watered, somebody planted, but it's God. And if that's you, ma'am, if that's you, sir, you need a real relationship with Jesus and he sees you where you are and he's calling your name. And I'm gonna say a prayer and I'm just gonna help you out. And if that's you, you're gonna pray this prayer in your heart, in your mind, in your mouth. Just say, God, I need you. I'm tired of doing things my way, Lord. Help me start doing things your way. Jesus, I believed you died on the cross for my sin. I commit my life to you. I repent of my sins right now. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to trust you. Help me to love you and help me to live for you. My life is yours, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give it up, Northwood, for everyone who prayed that prayer. Those of you who prayed it online. If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God, and we'd love to help you with your next few steps. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi. If you're in one of those areas, we'd love to see you at one of our live services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and directions. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time.